With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Maybe they're going to win and they're going to fall behind the Bengals in the tank for Tua. Yeah, I didn't realize the Bengals were owing. They're 0 and 8 now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're they're aggressively bad. <laughs> they they actually had a play where three different people had a chance to pick off an interception this past <laughs> yes. Sunday and none of them did. They, they all also, they all had the ball in their hands at one point in time and then they hit the ground and they're all just laying on the ground like, "Oh no." I'm like, "You suck." That's the season crazy that's how that works this year cuz like in the NFC there's like four teams that might go 9 and 7 or better and miss the playoffs. And in the AFC, there's three teams that are legitimately terrible and compete for Tua. Hello, welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcasts. This is your sad Panthers 49ers post-game recap, though we will also preview the uh, Panthers against the Titans this upcoming week. This is Brian, joined by Brad and John. Brad, how are you doing this evening? I've been better. <laughs> I think we all could say that. Uh, John, how are you? Uh, Yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so if you blacked out on Sunday and didn't catch the game or didn't watch the game, uh, lucky you. Yeah, really lucky you. The Panthers lost a barn burner to the 49ers. They lost 51 to 13. Um, it was not great. It was not fun to watch. It would have been more fun if the 49ers would have scored 49. (laughs) <laughs> just, yeah, just for, just the, for the, the headlines. Yeah. yeah, just for the headlines, but yeah. <laughs> um yeah, not a fun game to watch. Um the Panthers really only had life about I would say maybe the first couple drives on offense and then after the Bruce Irvin safety sack fumble or not it wasn't it was just safety sack and then the they punted it and the Panthers scored. Other than that though, for the most part the 49ers absolutely dominated this game. Um, looking at the Panthers, Kyle Allen threw 19 completions off of 37 attempts for 158 yards and three interceptions along with seven sacks. So not great. No fumbles. No fumbles though. He did not fumble. So if you take out the interceptions, he didn't have any turnovers though. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. He did not turn the ball over once. If you take out those interceptions, um, Christian McCaffrey was 
really the only bright spot on this offense with a 14 carries for 117 yards, though a lot of those came off two long runs. Um, he did score a touchdown. Uh, Carolina receiving was not great. Curtis Samuel had 11 targets for four receptions and 46 yards. And Christian McCaffrey matched him as far as receptions go on only five targets with 38 yards. And DJ Moore had nine targets for five receptions and 38 yards. So offensively, this was a really rough game for the Carolina Panthers. Um, Christian McCaffrey deserves major props for having like the quietest 100 and what is it? 117 yards. No, but like in total 155 yards of total offense. Oh, of yeah. all time. Not oh, Fitzpatrick yeah. through interception. Breaking news to those of you who watched the game last night. Um, yeah, have 155 yards of total offense, and everybody would be like, eh. That, that's why he's MVP. Well, that's what happens when you lean on a running back and can't do literally anything else on offense. Yeah, the 49ers were celebrating the fact that they only held him to 155 <laughs> yards. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it didn't really matter much. He didn't score except for once. Like we only put up 13 <laughs> points, but I mean, at least at least Christian McCaffrey was good. I think, but like I said, that that's that's a very big compliment. It's like he only scored, he only got 155 yards and one touchdown. That's a win for us, and it's like that would be a massive day for anybody else. And yeah. it's like not even a talking point. Yeah, he had 163 total scrimmage yards, and uh. Panthers still lost, which goes to show that the whole leaning on Christian McCaffrey for literally everything is not necessarily the best way to go when you're playing against an actual really good NFL team. Somebody um, said something in a comment section that I thought was interesting. Uh, this offense, since Ron Rivera has been here, has never, like, or has always been dominated by one person. Shit. And- it's it's usually been Cam, which I mean, quarterbacks typically do, but like more so with Cam with the uh, the running and the lack of weapons and offensive line around him. And then when when Cam starts to have his uh, it, when Cam has some issues with injuries, it's now like oh we'll just give every single touch to our running back, even when we're down by forty points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that made me mad to see Christian McCaffrey still in the game when it was fifty-one to thirteen with like five minutes left in the game. Yeah, it's not. Like, why are you still running him out there? He's your MVP candidate. Put put Jordan Scarlett out there because nobody cares if he gets hurt. Like, yeah. why, why are you yeah. risking it? Because, it's... spoiler alert, because Christian McCaffrey is selfish and he wanted all the touches and yards to himself. <laughs> it's spoiler. like, the other one, the other one that gets me too is when it's like, there's like five seconds left in the half or like, you know, 35 seconds left in the half and we have the ball in our own 20. So we're just going to call one run play to see what happens. And why so we just it, like, why give it to McCaffrey? Yeah. Let's just run him into a wall for no reason for one extra play that accomplishes nothing. I mean, he, there is a chance he could break one. I get that. But I mean, the chances of that are so low. Yeah. Especially when compared to the chances of him getting his leg snapped. Cause he runs right into the, the defensive tackle like it just doesn't make any sense yeah just is it really worth those more than likely like three to four yards you're gonna pick up is that worth another hit for christian mccaffrey who's far and away leading the league in touches and we already know that reggie bonifan can run because we've seen him do it yes 
And Scarlet oh. runs hard too. Like and even Scarlet in couple... runs hard too. Yeah. Yeah, he's a decent power back, and even Alex Arma, he he didn't play a whole lot of snaps either. Like it was mainly dominated by Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's the other thing. Why do we have Alex Arma on the roster? Like, why why are we wasting a roster spot on a fullback if we're not going to use it? I just right. don't understand it. At least in Arma's case, he plays like special teams and stuff. Yeah, too. he's a, he's a special teams guy, but still, it just Ron makes some questionable choices. Yeah, you know who else makes some questionable choices? Kyle Allen. I didn't see any questionable choices. I thought everything he did was pretty good. It just didn't work out. Yeah, I mean <laughs> the the sequence where he threw like the most interceptable pass of all time that wasn't intercepted and he was like well that didn't work let's try it again and then they intercepted it like it's like he was trying to throw it to the 49ers yeah well i'll tell you why i mean there's one thing that's different between this past sunday versus the last four weeks and that's that cam newton was on the (laughs) sideline it is it is true a it's lot of an undeniable fact. Cam Newton was on the sideline on Sunday and Kyle Allen melted down. And it's it's Cam. He's a distraction. Hard to make accurate throws when you're looking over your shoulder the whole time, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he was he they showed him giving him advice looking at film. He was probably telling him what not to do. Like he was probably telling him <laughs> He's sabotaging him. Sabotaging I actually him believe that Cam Newton I just believe Cam Newton was there being like, yo, bro. Like, this is what I've had to deal with. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Not so fun, Not is so it? so easy, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at you and your 5-0 and starting record. Let's see that come to the ground. Crashing down in horrifying and disastrous fashion. I th- And obviously, I didn't expect, I don't think anybody's expected it to be to that extent that it was. But all of the things that more uh, astute observers have been pointing out about Kyle Allen and the offense's fault uh, in the winning streak like really manifested themselves when they finally had to play a good team. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Dude, exactly. like I was live tweeting the game and I was trying to be as fair as possible to Kyle Allen during it because I know there's a lot of Kyle Allen truthers out there who were going to get triggered if I was saying things that were unfair, but it's, re- it's very evident what he's, what a lot of the passing games have, uh, plays have been it's one read and then check it down to christian mccaffrey um richard sherman tweeted that he knew he was going to get an interception on a route that the panthers are going to run he says that he called this out to his teammates on wednesday so it's pretty clear that kyle allen is not as much the guy making the reads and making the throws as it is like the, the games are the plays are schemed up for what he's supposed to throw and against good defenses, that's not going to work. Like, it happened way too many times on Sunday. The, the Niners knew what was coming. It's almost like we've said that before. Another thing we might have said before that I'm not sure, I'm not entirely sure, is he's been, he was hanging on to the ball a little bit too long in the pocket, and there were at least three sacks he could have avoided by just throwing the ball away. Even if, like, I get it, like, you're trying to make a play down the field, but in the NFL, sometimes you got to throw it away and live to play another down. And uh, I saw at least three in the first half that he could have thrown the ball away or done something else other than take a sack. There was one where um, 
I think it was the same play, but basically a rusher kind of penetrated through the like through the center and the guard, and but he wasn't like a free rusher. It was just like he he created internal like interior pressure, and if Allen took like one or two steps to his left, like slid to his left, he would have the rusher would have gone by him, and whoever uh, Van Roten would have had him just kind of pushed out of the way. But instead, he just took off to his left, and I think that's where Nick Bosa had fallen over, and he just ran into Nick Bosa, who was just like who would have been completely out of the play otherwise. Yeah, and that was like that's his pocket presence in a nutshell. It is like. He did take off a couple times where like maybe Cam Newton could have made a play out of it, but you're not, you're not Cam Kyle. You're not <laughs> like, so, yeah, and I think we need to be clear though, for, for real. Um, we were not winning that game, even with Cam Newton under center, like no, not with the way the defense not. played. Yeah. No, the way the defense played. I mean, the 49ers hung 51 on us. There was, there was no, well, and to be fair, you know, Kyle Allen gave them, you know, short fields to work with. But even if Cam was playing, we we weren't winning the way the defense played. Now, granted, we might have lost something like, you know, 38 or 42 to, you know, 27 or something like that. It might have been a little more respectable and it wouldn't have been an embarrassment. But we were not winning that game with the way the rest of the team played. It's not completely on Kyle Allen that that we lost. Uh, he was not that good, yes, or Sunday, granted, but he's not the reason we lost. No, I mean, one he's of the a reasons, reason, but not the reason. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that was really questionable that we've discussed in our Slack chat too was uh, the Panthers decided to trot out Taylor Moten at left tackle and Daryl Williams at right tackle after Dennis Daly has played well as the left tackle over the last few weeks, which was weird. And then I I want to say it was maybe three or four series into the game. Panthers reverted back to Dennis Daly and uh, Taylor Moten. Dennis Daly at left tackle. It wasn't even that right. long. It, it was like the second series. It was like five minutes into the game. So they decided to start the game by making the offensive line play in a set they're not used to and uh, try to, I guess, learn some chemistry early on which is weird like offensive lines generally play better when you like leave them all in the same spot where they're aware of what the guys on the on their sides are doing but no ron rivera's choice was let's just throw out a totally new starting offensive line group Hmm. after after the one previously had been playing pretty well yeah i mean they ran all over the jaguars they did well the week before that like or after that i mean it's it's weird. It's weird it's what like, happens. Well, it's it's like, and I don't know if it's because of contracts or because of tenure or both, but it was like, all right, well, Trey Turner's back. We got to move Daryl Williams at right guard, but we can't just bench Daryl Williams. So who, who's the in the lineup? And by easiest, I don't mean who's the worst player in the lineup to move. Who is the one that we can make, like explain away the best? I know, we'll yeah. take the, the rookie sixth-round pick. Yeah, John, you and I had a little bit of a back-and-forth about this earlier, but it almost seems like the Panthers are trying to get Daryl Williams in the lineup because of how much he's being paid, as yeah. if like you can't just have him be on the bench, cause, as if they're going to pay him more to be on the bench. Like mm-hmm. Ron doesn't understand the sunk cost fallacy. 
Yeah, you got to have a return on investment. For, if, if I've learned anything from reading people talk about contract values is if you don't get a good return on investment, you might as well just not play football. Yeah. So you only get the best way to get return on that investment is to make sure he plays. Exactly. I mean, we've already spent the money. You it's can't not even get as, it back. It's not even as if like they spent a huge amount of money either on Daryl Williams either. This isn't like a Matt Khalil contract. I mean, it's not great, but it's not like you can't, it's not like they're paying him so much money that you can't justify him being on the bench if he's not playing well. So that that part really boggles my mind. Like, I don't understand why they feel the need to get him out there if he's not playing well when it's not like he's making, like, $17 million a season. He's on a one-year deal. I think he's making, what, like, $9 million, maybe ten. Like, it's not six. a great amount. Six. Yeah, six. It's, yeah, it's not a lot. It's not a lot, and it's also not like they haven't sunk five years of their cap into this guy. This is one year. So, like, if you got a guy who's playing better on a cheaper deal, what's the problem? Especially because that guy that's playing better on the cheaper deal is probably going to be the one that sticks around, while Darrell Williams probably shouldn't. Like, after this year? Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised to see a team pay him next year, but... Yeah, you're right. He's going to be on on a a team, but like, if if any team offers him any sort of significant amount of money, and I and I just mean like any amount of money, there's no reason the Panthers should try to to match that. Like they're fine, especially if Little ends up getting better from his concussion issues. Right. Yeah, I mean, like it's been what what is this three four weeks now with him? You'd you'd hope that he gets out of the concussion protocol. Hopefully in a conservative estimate of the next two weeks, maybe there's at some point so, I, I don't, there's, there's no rush to bring him back. I don't think is, I mean, I daily played poorly against 49ers, but everybody was going to play poorly against 49ers. Yeah. I mean, their entire defensive line is, you could argue elite. So yeah. what do you guys think of the, uh, the blowback on Trey Turner? I think it's unwarranted. I mean, the, yeah. the entire offensive line played shit. <laughs> It's yeah, I was, like, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't, I never really pay like really close attention to the offensive line in, in terms of like who, like the individuals and who's doing their assignments and stuff. But I didn't notice him like being any more, any worse than anybody else. I do see what people are talking about with his, uh, his weight though. Oh, yeah, he's a big boy. But like the, the, the pictures in the scratching post today of uh, him now versus him a few years ago. It was like, oh, man, he's he got a little hefty. I don't know. I mean, like, I saw him come out during the uh, offensive self-destruction, and when they put Daryl Williams in there to uh, spell him, I guess, I saw Daryl Williams <laughs> get literally thrown to the ground. We got You got to get him on the field, man. Yeah. Like, the entire offensive line got destroyed on Sunday, and I think it's – I I, th- I understand where the weight issues are coming from, but I feel like it's unfair to judge Trey Trey Turner on this game when literally everybody sucked. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember him being a problem in the the first game in the first two games before he got hurt. No, I mean he really wasn't like, and I don't think four weeks of being on the bench is gonna doom his career either. So maybe he got <laughs> maybe know, he got in a little weight. I, from what I've heard about, from what I've seen with Cam Newton, that's more than enough time to to end somebody's career. 
That is true. Cam Newton's <laughs> career has been over since last since the second half of last year. I forgot about that. Yes. It's been Thank years. Reminding me. It's been years since the first half of last year. We haven't yep. seen him play well in years. Nope. He hasn't been good since 2015. <laughs> I say that all the time. Oh man. 20, 2017, he he got he he rode into the playoffs off of the backs of those great wide receivers they had, like Devin Funches and Kalen Clay and Brenton Burson. That's uh years. Not several great. years. Yeah. Not just and several. He's... He's old, well over the hill. He's what, 30? Quarterbacks yeah. never play past 30. Nope. No, never. Quarterbacks don't recover from injuries either. <laughs> Ever. Not when they have that, not when they have two in in somewhat quick succession. That's why I think Patrick Mahomes is done. Yep. First Matt he sprains his ankle, future. then he dislocated his kneecap. I don't think this guy's ever going to be healthy. No. Yeah. Might as well bring Jimmy Clausen in if you think he's going to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember him getting hurt. Nope, never once. Not once. He was only benched on merit, not on injury. That's that's true. Yep. Um. So let's talk about the defense. I don't really want to, but I think we should. Um. So the the, the Tevin Coleman has his defense figured out, and so does I Kyle think, Shanahan. I think I think he does. Yeah. <laughs> I think the problem is that. I, John, I know I brought these concerns up to you over the last few weeks, and a lot of times they were downplayed. And against the Jaguars, you were correct. The <laughs> the running game didn't matter that much, even though Leonard Fournette did have some plays. But this was a team who was really committed to running the football, and the game situation dictated that they could control the football as much as they wanted to. They ran the ball. They had They used their zone running game, and they kind of – revealed what this Panthers defense is, which is that they they did sacrifice the rushing defense by bringing in smaller, faster, more athletic pass rushers. Can we agree on that at least? Yeah. No, I've, yeah. I've they have. I didn't I never disagree with that part. I just yeah. thought that was the, the way to go. Yeah, no, I, I think it was. It's just in this particular situation the 49ers had the ability to really lean on the running game and that was what worried me for the last few weeks about this Panthers team because we saw flashes of how bad they could be against the run and the 49ers just took that and hit a home run with it because they not only did they run the ball well but they also capitalized on how aggressive this young this young Panthers front seven has been against the run it worked against a lot of other teams, but the 49ers seemed to have a counter for everything they did. And even Luke Keekley seemed to be out of sorts. Um, so is this something where it's correctable? I'll let you address that, John. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's I don't think the issues are going to be correctable because they've been, it's been an issue. The big plays have been an issue all season. I don't think any other team is going to, have the horses to do what the 49ers did unless they can have Kyle Shanahan come in and call their plays and design their run plays. Um, I think, you know, teams can try to emulate it, but Kyle Shanahan, for whatever reason, just has Ron's number. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's the run defense is bad and it's going to stay bad, but I think like, we're not going to see other, like I don't know how many yards the 49ers had, but they average like um, eight yards a carry. They had 232 yards on the ground with 6.1 yards per carry. 
Though yeah. you have to factor in the fact that uh, Nick Mullins kneeled the ball three times for negative three yards as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, they contained Matt Breida. That was that's nice, right? Yeah, yeah. they did. They didn't it's contain just... anybody else, but yeah. <laughs> well, Mostert had the long run, and um, and then it was just Tevin doing what Tevin Coleman has been doing to the Panthers. So. I don't know. Unless Tevin Coleman starts bouncing from team to team, I don't know if that's... It's not going to get that bad, but I do think the run... The big plays will still happen. It's just about limiting them and making plays when uh, the teams pass. I also think Tevin Coleman is a perfect fit for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do with a rushing offense. Yeah. And that's... that's. I mean, that's why they signed him. But uh, he's averaged now. That's three straight games where he's at, gone carry against the Panthers. When yeah. not very many other people are doing that. Brad, what are your thoughts? Pretty much what John said. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's a, a quote unquote correctable, but I also think that it takes a special combination of of Kyle Shanahan and Tevin Coleman to do what we saw. Yeah, the play calling was really interesting because they were. Was misdirecting that, the crap out of us. It wasn't even just the misdirection. It was also like the the play action runs, um, like the fake on the misdirection and then a toss to a wide receiver or the jet sweep to uh, Debo Samuel. Like they just had so many different facets of their rushing offense where the Panthers are already on their heels that it seemed like there was just no getting past it in this game. And they just had to get their shit kicked in for once. For once. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it'll get corrected. I mean, the Titans are not likely to throw out that kind of offense, mainly because Derek Henry runs like a, you know, eight second, 40 yard dash. But... Uh, the Titans are also like super <clears throat> vanilla. And the only teams that are, I think will pose as problems are the, now, granted, that's three of the last nine games. That's a third of the remaining schedule. But those are the ones that worry me in terms of creativity and getting running backs in space. Uh, you cut out a little bit. What games were you talking about? Packers and Saints. There we go. Yeah, I agree. I agree, too. The Saints have Alvin Kamara, and even when they don't, Latavius Murray was super productive this past Sunday. So, yeah. that's that, And Aaron Jones just had 159 yards receiving. So, yeah. He also had two touchdowns taken away from him, too, that were, like, long ones. On Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um. So, moving away from the rushing game, because that's just sad to, and depressing to talk about. Um. So, George Kittle led the 49ers with six receptions for 86 yards. Did not score a touchdown on National Tight End Day, by the way. Um, did you know it was National Tight End Day? No, God. it was literally never mentioned in any other broadcast. It was just <laughs> ours. Um, well, I think it's a George Kittle thing, so that, which is why. But Mark Schlereth was a big, a big fan of uh, that idea. Yeah, I, I was getting a little annoyed with him and Rondé. Rondé always hates us. We know that. But it's, you know, uh, I would have been fine with it if Mark Schlereth played tight end. Like it would have made sense. Yeah. Like. You know, if it was like Tony Gonzalez talking about National Tight End Day, it makes sense. But Mark Schlereth was a was a guard. Like he 
he wasn't a tight end. So I didn't understand it. I really look forward to the day where Greg Olson gets to call a game with George Kittle in his national tight end game. Cause I feel like tight end day. Cause I feel like that's going to be great. Just good commentator TV. Do you guys know Mark Schler's from Alaska? I did know that. People are from Alaska? Mark Schler's from Alaska. People, I didn't realize people were born in Alaska. Mm-hmm. A little fun fact. You learn something new every time you listen to this show. That's what we're here for. Your trivia facts. In Mark case you have was Mark. born in and, re- and went to high school in Alaska. Wow. I imagine there's like one football team in Alaska and they just like scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> they scrimmage against polar bears yeah yeah because polar bears totally reside in alaska yep i know it's, it's, it's alaska is, yeah alaska's is up there it's north yeah it's definitely the big, in the north the big cities are also up there at, at the big part of alaska and near the arctic circle yeah i hear there's a lot of polar bear problems up in canada especially in the big cities like montreal it's a bad thing yes, it's an epidemic yeah. yes um <laughs> um so Panthers defense, uh, not great. There were there were some good performances though. I mean, Luke Keekley played his heart out. Um, Eric Reed had eight tackles total. He also had a sack. Um, That's about all you can say positive. Bruce Trust Irvin me, had two look. sacks. Well, Bruce Irvin he had a, he had Bruce Irvin had a safety too. Yeah, he um, had a really good game in general. It was just like yeah. the, whenever we did something good, it was like oh, it's Bruce Irvin again. Yeah, job, part Bruce. of that had to do with Brian Burns not really playing a whole lot with the club on his hand, but it's good to see that our depth is solid as far as the pass rush goes there. But even so, still, this ahead. is just another general coaching staff question. Um, <laughs> we seem to be big on rotating defensive linemen and even defensive backs at times and things of that nature. Uh, but on offense, we absolutely refuse to rotate anybody. Now it's yeah. the same three wide receivers. It's always uh, Greg Olson, and always seems to be uh, Chris Manhurts and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's, I, uh, I remember we did it a few years ago, and it was just like we only ran like three wide receivers at all, and it was just like, oh, that just Rob Chudzinski, and then it's just like, oh, it's just Ma- it's just a Mike Shula thing because he doesn't know what he's doing. And now we have North Tur- North Turner, and it's still just like nope. It's just DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Jarius Wright every single play, and Christian McCaffrey. They're on the field every single play. Yep. The yep. only reason Brandon Zilstra got out there was because uh, Jarius Wright was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Ron Ron mentioned that a few years ago in 2013, I want to say, when it was Brandon LaFell, Ted Ginn, Steve Smith, and it was like almost always those guys on the field, and you were just like. What are these other receivers here for? And yeah, it's a little frustrating. The so the five the five uh players that we always have on the field, more Samuel McCaffrey, Olsen, and Wright. Uh the rest of the team has eleven targets on the season. God damn it. <sighs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Like Ian Thomas played well in his first year and they have two running backs on the roster. One's a young rookie. They just drafted and Reggie Bonifant is supposed to be like Christian McCann, Christian McCaffrey light, but no, let's just throw the same personnel out there. Defenses totally won't know how to handle that. No, sir. Mm -mm. 
Yeah, twenty twenty three total touches for those for the non guys I was just talking about, which combined would be fifth on the team behind uh more Samuel, Olsen, and McCaffrey, who has 180 touches, and the next highest is 40. God damn. Christ. <laughs> well, the good news is this Sunday, um, even though the Panthers will face, uh, let's see here. They're going to, well, no, I know, I know who, I, I knew that. I was talking about defensive backs. Um, I know they have a, let's see here. They have Logan Ryan, and they Heard have that before. Malcolm Butler, both former Patriots. All the old Patriots that aren't on the Patriots anymore. Adoree Jackson may or may not play, not sure yet still, but according to a certain Titans fan I know who I may or may not be related to, the Pan- the uh, Titans will probably throw a lot of man coverage at the Panthers. Um, the Titans' defense is also quite underrated, I think. Um, their front seven's pretty good. They have Jarrell Casey. Um, this could be another game where it's tough, tough sledding for the offense because those guys are pretty good. And I don't know if I trust DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel right now, at least with Kyle Allen at quarterback to like really take over a game and go over a hundred yards uh, receiving. Um, Brad, what do you think of that? Um, I mean, yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're correct. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I have a thought. All right. Christian McCaffrey is going to get targeted like 15 times. Like That's... if they play if they play man coverage, Kyle Allen is not going because he's not going to trust what he sees. So he's going to just check it down to McCaffrey a ton, and then McCaffrey's for sure going to be able to win in man to man coverage, no matter who's covering him. So. Chris McCaffrey's going to have like 11 catches. Yeah, I could totally see McCaffrey going over 200 yards scrimmage again. And uh, that would be good. Very good for the offense. Good for the offense, bad for his long-term health, but that's whatever. We don't care about that. And that's what we do in Carolina. We take we take <laughs> generational players and run them into the ground. So Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Another plus side is the Panthers will likely play Ryan Tannehill, who was not great on Sunday. Um Though we're going to get a heavy dose of the Derrick Henry running the ball probably after this past Sunday. The Panthers pretty much showed that running the ball against them could be the way to beat them. So that'll be good. <laughs> I don't know. Like The Titans are underrated. Um, and I also have a little PTSD from, what was that, 2011, where... The Panthers were like pretty good, and then the Titans came out and beat them, blew them out, forty-two to three or some shit like that. Yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, and it wasn't like the Titans were like more talented than the Panthers. They just straight up got out coached like horribly, and that was also a Ron Rivera team, by the way. For those of you listening and watching, I don't believe it. Don't believe yeah. it for a second. Yep, and they will face Matt Patricia. Oh no, excuse me, that's the Lions. My bad. Um, that would be Mike Frable. Another former Patriots coach. So, Brad, what do you think of the? Uh, what do you think the scoring is going to be on Sunday? What do you think the score is going to be? Do you think the Panthers are going to win this game? Uh, I think they can win. And I'm I'm thinking. I mean, I was so right 
last time when I said that Panthers 49ers is going to be one of those old timey 10 9 <laughs> defensive battles. Um, so I, I'm going to go Panthers 35, Titans 10. Wow. 35 points by the Panthers offense led by Kyle Allen. Wow. Well, of course. Yeah. He's the future. I agree. Never um, seen him fail before. Not once. Uh, John, what about you? What's your scoring prediction for this game? Uh, I like kind of like Brad said. It's very difficult now to to feel confident in any sort of scoring prediction because I thought, like much like Brad, that last this game against the 49ers is going to be like I don't know, like two to three scores apiece. Um, I'm going to stick with that again because I don't think the the Titans are going to explode on offense because I don't think they're capable of playing any sort of game that's has a combined score more than 40. So I'm going to say 17, Titans 14. Panthers 16, Titans 14. Calling a Panthers win. All right, nice. I I pick the Panthers to win every single week, even last week when Uh, I knew they were going to lose. You knew. You knew. I I said that in my prediction. I'm like, I feel like they're probably (laughs) going to lose, but I'm still going to predict the Panthers to win. I predict a 13 to 10 Titans victory. I think that the the uh, I think the blueprint is out there to beat Kyle Allen, which is not really all that difficult to interpret. Just nope. All you got to do limit. is put Cam Newton on the sideline. Yep, put Cam Newton on the sideline, limit Christian McCaffrey, and let Kyle Allen try to throw the ball while Cam Newton is staring him down all game because he will throw picks. That's the only time it's happened in his career was when Cam Newton was on the sideline. So. I like how you just threw and limit Christian McCaffrey like that's a, like a a yes or no decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the first the first six opponents were like, so should we yeah, limit we'll Christian McCaffrey yeah. or no? Nah. And they're like, I think we'll be all right without limiting yeah. him. We'll and the 49ers right. are like, let's limit, and they're like, okay. Titans can do it. They have a good defense. Yeah, but Christian McCaffrey. I mean, so did the 49ers, and McCaffrey just was was not phased. He was. he was not limited. <laughs> he was, he had 155 yards and eight yards of carry. I don't. I mean, I know a lot of that came on one run, but he also had a second big run that got called back because of Trey Turner's garbage, human garbage self. Yeah, I think that's part, probably a big reason why he got a lot of flack today too, because he made a noticeable, like a notable bad play. And I kind of honestly think that hold was a little bit of a bullshit call. Like it didn't affect the play. Yeah, it did. It, it's it's yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell. It looked like McCaffrey would have made it through the hole anyway. But anytime a player tries to like pull away, and the offensive lineman, you can see like you can uh, uh, has his hand on the inside of their shoulder pads. Like it's called every single time. Oh, I know. I mean, so. I wasn't surprised that they called it. I just yeah. And it it's, it is frustrating though. If, if Trey Turner wasn't garbage, like we've established. Yep, he is a terrible, yeah. terrible right card. Agreed. Ugh. We should play Daryl Williams instead. <laughs> I I just like when I was watching on Sunday and I watched Daryl Williams try to take on a stunt where the guy hit him so hard that he literally got decleated and went backwards. I was like, oh, that's a picture perfect representation of this game. And 
I don't know if we're going to see any better from Williams, but I think that his best spot is right guard, and maybe he won't see the the field he's, at all on Sunday. He's right-handed, so. That is true. He is right-handed. And that's not even a Ron Rivera thing. That's a Darrell Williams said that type of thing. Ooh. Well, he did say he's right-handed. He just said that he likes the right side better. He's yeah. more comfortable on the right side of the line, regardless of if it's tackle or guard. Yeah, usually Which, you're more comfortable on that side when you've been playing it your whole career. So I get yeah, it. Yeah, I just I thought it was interesting. I, as someone who has uh pretty much no well has no meaningful offensive line experience, I thought it was weird that he was like the side is more important than the guard or tackle. Like I feel like the transition from like right guard like right tackle to left tackle would be tougher than right guard to or uh, like guard to tackle. Or the other way around. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, like, who was it? Was it Jeff Schwartz who said that, like, trying to switch from right tackle to left tackle is like wiping yourself with a different hand? I guess. Something like that. Yeah. It's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very offensive lineman way to put it. Yeah. Um, but I would just think, like, because, like, when you're a tackle, you operate in space and all that stuff. Like, I feel like it'd be much more difficult to be like, all right, now you're a guard where you're not in space. Or vice versa, as opposed to well, being like, now you just have them going to your left instead of your right. Well, I mean, I could see what the merit in that, because you're taking on less athletic pass rushers. And if you're good at running, I mean, blocking, I, that's probably where you want to be. If you're taking on it in, in the year 2019, if you're taking on less athletic pass rushers playing right tackle, then you're playing against stupid defensive coordinators. Oh, I meant like right guard versus right tackle. Sorry, I didn't mean. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. No, right tackle versus left tackle. Yeah, obviously. Right. Yeah. I don't think there should be any difference between the two at this point. In, no, in the I mean, like, NFL. the Panthers have, like, been a really good indicator of that because they have Brian Burns playing all over the formation. He's probably, at least from a ceiling standpoint, the most explosive pass rusher the Panthers have. So yeah, I get where you're coming from there. But, Yeah. At least we'll get to play against Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and not Tevin Coleman and Jimmy G. Maybe that'll help this week. Who knows? It's also the Titans, and they're, they're like pan- the Panthers in that they tend to have like really unfortunate, horrible things happen to them. So, Yeah, the Titans are the Panthers of the AFC. Yeah. Except their oscillations are less wild. Like instead of going from like six and ten to fifteen and one, they just go from like seven and nine to nine and seven every year. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah they don't stray too far from the median. People thought it was yep. a Jeff Fisher problem. I feel like Jeff Fisher cursed that team. Like he's been gone for so long, and they've still been doing that. He took them to a Super Bowl. You will not slander his name. Is that- Did he win that Super Bowl? He almost he would, did. He would have if, if his name had a, an, an arm about two to three inches longer than he had. So he's Ron Rivera. Yeah, kind of. He's Ron Rivera without a generation, generational play uh, talent like Cam Newton or Christian McCaffrey is what I'm getting uh, from this comment. I'm sorry. He I, had I, Steve McNair. I'm, I misspoke, by the way. The Titans have gone nine and seven three straight years. Exactly nine and seven three straight years. Oh, well, that's pretty good. The Panthers have never done that. No. So Titans better than Panthers. All right. Taking an L. Incoming. Very imminent. 
Um, so, yeah, anything else we want to get into as far as uh, the Panthers versus the Titans or the Panthers getting destroyed by the 49ers? Anybody? Uh, I think I've talked about everything I want to say. I'm good. All right, well, <clears throat> this should be a fun game this week. Hopefully not nearly as horrifying and traumatic and uh, terrible as this past game. So enjoy the Panthers versus the Titans. This will be at 1 o'clock, which is when the Panthers generally don't tend to shit the bed. Um, follow along with CSR with all of your coverage. This is Brian, joined by Brad and John on the Keep Sounding podcast. And uh, enjoy your week. Try to, try to, you know, forget about what happened on Sunday. And we'll talk to you next week. See you. Keeps the football, takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown. Oh, the Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shuttle pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know, it is good, and Carolina gets a roll.